And church, I'm going to ask if you, if you wouldn't mind, if you would stand with me for the reading of, of the word of the Lord. I'm going to be in John chapter 1. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The, the words will come up on the screen. John chapter 1, starting at verse 35 through the end of the chapter. Uh, this is what the word of the Lord says. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to his bro- find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you're heaven. (laughs) And your your presence is, is heaven. Thank you that we have discovered and are continuing to discover what it means to abide in you, to be with you, to follow you. And Lord, I pray that you might continue to prompt our hearts and even use this morning as a space where you would prompt our hearts, encourage us to keep on pursuing you. May faithfulness, may fidelity, may endurance be a story that we continue to live out. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Feel free to have a seat. Well, we've been in the series over the summer uh, called The Questioning God, and what we've been discovering through this and discussing throughout this sermon series is that uh, God has a, a regular habit of coming to humanity and asking 
questions. And we've been reflecting on the fact that it's intriguing that God asks questions because God knows all. And so when he asks questions, it doesn't seem to be because he's in need of more information, but he is desiring to prompt us to consider and to evaluate what is happening in the depths of our own souls. And in this story that we start with, I find it absolutely intriguing that Jesus is essentially asking these two, for, these, these two men, are you sure? Are you sure I'm the guy that you're looking for? Well, I find it so intriguing about this is I don't know about you, but I mean, it's particularly maybe even as, as a pastor of a church that if I see someone wanting or just even on the precipice of beginning to follow Jesus, that my immediate response would be to help them and to convince them to, to go further into that decision, right? To almost like as a, wearing a salesman kind of a hat to, to close the deal and to say, yes, here are all the reasons that you should begin to follow Jesus. But what I find so intriguing about this is that Jesus doesn't seem to be interested in just closing the deal right away. What he seems to be doing is slowing these guys down and asking them, are you sure? Are you sure? I can still picture the day. It was in... Uh, San Juan Capistrano, Larissa and I, and I again even right now can picture the scene of the Mexican restaurant that we were sitting in. I lived in LA County, she was interning actually here at Faith Community Church and we were dating and th that was the spot that we would drive to. It was the halfway point between each of us. And we were sitting at that table because the weekend uh, before, or maybe just even the day before, we were at our college pastors, our young, young adults pastor's house, um, and we were watching that show 24. After the show, after watching it together, um, the four of us, the college pastors, who were just great friends of ours, they officiated our wedding, they remain uh, mentors in our life, and they've known us really, know us both really well, um, right after watching the show together, it just felt like out of the blue, but they just looked at us and, and said, have you guys started talking about marriage yet? <laughs> and we said, no. But both of our faces were beaming in asking, being asked that question. There was something about how they observed our relationship. They observed how we interacted with one another. Again, they, they knew us really well. I don't encourage you to just randomly go up to a dating couple and ask them, have you started talking about marriage yet? They were wise about it, but it still prompted something within us. And so there in that Mexican restaurant was the first time that we began to talk about the possibility of marriage with one another. Right? There, be, there came a point in our dating that we had to determine, are we sure about this? Listen, Jesus isn't interested in flash in the pan, just really quick growth 
type of decisions, but he seems to be really interested in long, faithful obedience. Here in John 1, these two men are walking along, and, and, and the, the picture and the understanding that we have is that these are two disciples of John the Baptist. They, they consider John the Baptist mentor and rabbi and teacher. And as John the Baptist is walking by, there's just something so beautiful about the heart of John the Baptist. He's there, and, and he looks at these two men, and, and he sees Jesus, and he just exclaims, look, the Lamb of God. And in that moment, these two men who considered John rabbi leave John the Baptist and start following Jesus. And twice, this is a different John, by the way, that's writing this letter to us. Twice, John the Beloved, who writes this to us, tells us, twice he mentions that these two men were following Jesus. Before, and, and what's, what, I, what I find so interesting about this, this story, what's happening here, is that John is, is, is saying, look, what's happening right now is that these two guys are just following Jesus. But up to this point, Jesus has paid no attention to them. And there's almost a little bit of attention there, isn't there? That these two guys are, are in proximity of Jesus, but he's yet to turn and acknowledge them. And we stop and we realize there is Jesus is so much more patient than we realize. He's just letting these guys follow him. And rather than turning around and saying something like, oh my gosh, I love the fact that you're following me. His response is to turn to them and say, what do you want? What do you want? Are you sure? Other translations, maybe the translation you're looking at, it, it says... What, what are you looking for? What, what are you looking for? I, I see you're following me, but, but we go, before we go further from here, before we continue down this road together, let's talk about your expectations. Let's talk about your hopes. Let's talk about your dreams. What do you, what do you think you're going to find in me? Let's actually work through that together. I love the fact that Jesus just stops them in their tracks. He's like, listen, this is this is about commitment. This is about lifelong relationship. I want you to be serious about this decision. And what makes me a little bit uncomfortable is that Jesus seems to be completely comfortable when people realize no, you know what? It's going to cost too much to follow you. 
Can I, can I read a couple of passages to you? Luke chapter 14, verses 27 through 33. Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and he says, Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down and first consider whether he is able with 10,000 be able to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? And if he cannot, then while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all of your possessions. Jesus tells a story. He's just like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to commit to this? I'm not out to convince you. <laughs> I need you to make up your own mind. What do you want? What are you looking for? Here's another story that Jesus tells. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. He says, when a great crowd gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the th thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, let anyone who has with ears to hear listen. Then his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to others I speak in parables so that looking they may not perceive and listening they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones on the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe only for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. As for what fell among the thorns, these are the ones who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for that in the good soil, these are the ones who, when they hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience endurance. God is patient. And he is willing to slow us down and ask, are we in this for the long haul?
what do you hope you find in me? Because there will be times of trial. There will be times of testing. There will be times of frustration. There will be times where you're disappointed in me. There will be times you don't understand me. There are going to be times that I teach things that you are absolutely going to be angry about. But what are you looking for? What do you want? I don't just want an immediate decision that is not going to be followed up by this faithful endurance. My understanding of following Jesus is the language of covenant faithfulness. Slow, faithful, long, patient endurance. I think those are the words of following well. I was reading a book this, this past year by Tyler Stanton, um, uh, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. And in there, that um, he presented this idea that I just absolutely fell in love with and found a quote from him that said, what if, what if boring fidelity is the invitation to the kind of lavish prayer life God has called us to? Boring day after boring day after boring day of boring day of just spending time in the presence of God. And as those are stacked upon each other, there's going to be a day where you realize he has been up to something in your life that is beyond your comprehension. In the words of Eugene Peterson, right, that it's a long obedience in the same direction. Show up, faithfully following him. But I also love, as we think about this story, you know, I, I really believe that as the Apostle John, John the Beloved, crafts this account of the life of Jesus, that he does so with intricacy and he does so with great intentionality. And so you've got to imagine that he carefully chooses when he's going to start quoting Jesus or he crafts the story in a, in a particular way to communicate something to us. And what, what, what's, what's, I think, so beautiful about, about John chapter 1 is that, is that John the Apostle intentionally waits all the way until verse 38 for Jesus to speak his first words. And the very first words, well, let me just bring this quote up to you from Michael Card as he observes the book of John. He says this about chapter 1. In verse 38, Jesus speaks his words, his first words of the gospel. Seeing that he is being followed, he asks, what do you want? Imagine hearing these, these words addressed to you from Jesus himself. For that is exactly what John wants you to experience. How would you reply to such a question? What do you want from Jesus? Ask yourself, 
I think that John intentionally crafts his letter so that we all have to sit and hear those words from Jesus. What ails your heart? What do you need? What are you most hoping for in life? Listen, I, I think an exercise for us that we can even step into here, right here, right now, is to, is, is to think of it this way. If you could picture Jesus sitting in the seat right next to you, and you could turn to him in this very moment, what would you ask of him? And can we actually just pause? Sit in the silence of that. Maybe you have a, a piece of paper. Maybe you have an, a, an app on your phone that allows you to take a note down. But can we take just the next handful of seconds and just picture that? Jesus is sitting right here, right next to you. And he turns to you and he looks you in the eyes and he asks, what do you want? What do you want? What are you looking for? What do you need from God? Quite a while ago, Loris and I were given um, some, some marriage advice that, that has stayed with us throughout our marriage. And we were encouraged just not every day or anything like that, but but Every now and then, it happens maybe twice a year, we'll, we'll be on a date night together or we'll just be sitting in, in or standing in the kitchen together um, to, ask, to ask this question, two-parted question. Is there anything you want more of in our marriage? Or is there anything that you want less of? And we're just encouraged to, to ask that because I think a lot of the times we... We have expectations of people that we're in relationship with, friendship, marriage, family with. We have expectations for how certain people will interact with us and, and live with us and, and engage with us. But a lot of times we don't take the opportunity to actually to speak out those expectations to one another. And, and so we were just encouraged, like, find, find space every now and then just to just open up a door and just ask each other, what do you... Is there anything you want more of? Is there anything you want less of? Yeah, when ice falls out of the, the ice dispenser, please don't just leave it on the floor. I would like to see less ice on our kitchen floor, please. But, but, but do you see the kind of relationship that Jesus is establishing here with his disciples? 
that he's establishing a relationship with them that would be conversational, that would have relational joy, that would have communication, that would have the, the, the invitation and the freedom to bring up our hopes and expectations to him. To be able to come to him and to be able to say, God, this is what I'm hoping for. This is what I'm looking for. God, when I think about my relationship with you, here's what I want, would want more of, and here's what I would want less of. And, and as, as he engages here with these men who, who first begin to follow them, he's, he, he lays down a foundation for them. We are going to talk with one another about what's happening in your heart. We are going to have a conversational type relationship. What are you looking for? What do you want? And, and what's beautiful is that, uh, that, that God genuinely wants to know he genuinely wants to hear the things that ail us and frustrate us or disappoint us or the, what we're longing for. He genuinely wants to hear the things in our life that we're wrestling with and we're wanting to see breakthrough and solutions and provision for. What do you want? Don't let it go unspoken anymore, but, but regularly engage with the Lord about what's happening in the depths of your heart. Or just even the smallest little things. What do you want? What are you looking for? What I, what I, another just facet of this that I find so beautiful in the story here is that through just this little section of scripture, from verse 35 to the end of the chapter, you see this multifaceted revelation of who Jesus is. So not only does he ask these two men, what do you want? Simultaneously, what John is, is painting for us is that Jesus, do you see all the ways that Jesus is introduced to us and described in this chapter? John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. The, the disciples respond and say, Rabbi. Then they go to one another and they say, we have found the Messiah. And then later on, it's that, that Jesus is saying that, that I am the, the stairway that connects heaven and earth. Right? And so you have this, this incredibly vast, this huge picture, this huge revelation of who Jesus is. Do you see how big and how dynamic Jesus is? He's the one, the one that is heaven and earth meeting together, the one that is the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, the one that has, has made a way for our sins to be forgiven, the Lamb of God. He is the, the, the rabbi, the good teacher. Do you see who he is? This is the one that's coming before you and asking you, what do you need? Because in him, in him, and in him alone, will you truly discover what you're looking for. He alone is the one that our lives can be built upon. Do you see how big and dynamic he is? Come and see. Come and see. But I also think that, that as John crafts this letter to us, he does so in a way that teaches us 
that we can't, we can't merely keep Jesus contained to what we want from him. That the type of relationship that God is, is, is looking for us is, is that 